Eat, drink, smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, and smoke the fine cigars. This lockdown is just embarrassing and ridiculous. I am not opposed to social distancing. I oppose the idea that we shut it all down. Tony Katz, that's Fingers Malloy uh, right there. Uh, I cannot just tell you where we are. I can't tell you where we're recording. I can't tell you what's happening because if anybody finds out we're doing a podcast, clearly we're going to have to go into isolation of isolation. It'll be, it'll be Animal House. It'll be a double secret probation lockdown. You, you want a hug? <laughs> you, you want a hug? No, I really don't. And to, and to cap it all off, we're reviewing Cavassier. We eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars, and usually it's a bourbon. Sometimes it's a rye. Every now and then we try something else. Today, Fingers Malloy was like, hey, I found this in the liquor cabinet because, you know, when you're on lockdown, you actually search your liquor cabinet. Desperate days. Right? So this is, is Cavassier. Of course, we're talking about cognac right here. Now, Cavassier will come in various uh, levels, and people who know cognac will be insulted by the fact that we're only doing the VS, right? That's what we're doing uh, here. Uh, it's a very light gold color. The nose is rather floral when you take a whiff, and maybe maybe some, some fresher fruits as opposed to those dark fruits. Uh, uh, when... As they say, it's a, a pear is a lot of this. You got pear off the nose. Yeah. I, I did did not. Definitely I'm much more in that in that floral scent. Apple, pear, peach happening um all all throughout. That's what you're you're gonna get. Much more of that fruitiness is going to come um off the cognac. Uh, the VS is aged between three and seven years. This is in French oak. And that come from, well, cognac France. Uh, so I, I'm not a cognac guy, maybe once, maybe once I've had Cavassier. I only know Cavassier from the ladies' man. Right. Oh, was it Tim? Uh, <laughs> Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows, right? Here with the answer to your romantic query is, uh, is Leon Phelps, the ladies' man. That's the only, it's the only way I know it. I, 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 he does what show? He did the Goldbergs. He does that show after it. Right, he hasn't done anything else, really. I don't right? think so. But then there's a, a, a referee in the NFL that sounds just like him. He's fantastic. True? He goes, Personal foul number eighty-three on the offense. That's a fifteen-yard penalty and an automatic first down. <laughs> You're gonna have to point that out to me. <laughs> um, now I'm doing it. Neat. You went right to the sphere. You're not even screwing around. No. Why? I like things cold. <laughs> You're scared to drink Cavassier. Yeah. I aren't like you? I like my Cavassier like I like my women. Cold, cold in a glass. <laughs> Here we go. To, uh, let, let's give this a go. Mm. Oh, knock the coronavirus right out. That's interesting. Knock the coronavirus right out. Um, there is no hit here. Although I will tell you, I've got medicinal aftertaste right now. Uh, there's no initial hit that comes from cognac, right? So what we are so used to, almost geared up for in the bourbon, this is very much uh, the opposite. Also, the flavor is in two parts, the tip of the tongue and into the throat. There's no back palate action happening with this whatsoever, which is very strange. Floral and fruit notes, and you're right, on the exhale, there's a little bit of a medicinal quality to it. Right. But not off-putting. I mean, would this be something that when I go to a bar, would this be my go-to drink? No. But if somebody hands this to me, sure. It's, I, it, I can't, I, I think I prefer, 
I think I prefer the spice. We've been getting into this conversation about rye and how rye is supposed to be really spicy. But I find that the ryes that we have done over the last year have been much more on the sweeter tip. Now, there is a difference in terms of where the rye comes from, depending on the water that's used to make the rye. Uh, you might, from, from East Coast, you might get spicier ryes than, let's say, the Midwest. Um, I enjoy the sweet and spicy of the rye versus the overall sweet of this. This is too syrupy. Yeah. There's this a coating. This is way too sweet. There's a coating or something. Try it uh, on the on the rye. I don't want to. No? I don't. I mean, I will just to do it, right? I will, I will just to do well, it. Well, the thing that I'm noticing is, and look, it's only been on the rock here for a couple of minutes, but I'm wondering if it's it not takes, just a little rock. It's a giant sphere. Yeah, it's a sphere. It may take some of that syrupy quality away from it. Well, is it because it's diluting? Yes. All right. I got it in there. I will tell you, I love the sphere. The thing is giant. And, and the ones that I use, I got this. Uh, it, it's Tovolo, T-O-V-O-L-O. I got this at a local supermarket in, in the clearance rack for like $2 each. Oh, wow. And what it is is it's, it's plastic, and then you, you put on the plastic top, right? And it's like a rubberized top, and there's a hole. And you fill it with purified water, and it'll just bubble up to the top, and it'll just it's, it's a sphere. And then all you have to do is pop it open and pop it out. It was super easy. It's gorgeous. It is such a nice look. I'd never seen anything like this until the Star Trek movie that came out, the original Star Trek. And uh, so I have something similar. The original similar. Star Trek? Uh, or not the original, the, the remake. The, the, the first The about? first remake Star Trek movie. There's a, Picard's having a sphere? No, uh, the, the Star Chris Trek. Chris Pine? Chris Pine. Yeah, he's he just got he's about to get his butt kicked, or he just got his butt kicked in a bar, and he's sitting there, and he keeps pouring whiskey over a sphere, and I'd never seen that before. Uh, but uh, I have a mold that makes four of them. They're smaller than this. Okay. And then I've got other single molds that actually are in the shape of a football, and they have the you can actually see the laces of the oh, football. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's cool. that's fun. But nothing like this. I mean, you could you could use this. Um, and if you are a no, this thing is. I mean, this thing is like two inches across. It's a huge. If you're really an experienced big. drinker, you can use this for three or four <laughs> drinks. <laughs> uh, I'm not that good. I'm not that good. But we'll see where it goes. No, I don't. I don't mind it. Hold on, I'm doing it again. It is so sweet. It is so sweet. Maybe and the after fl- dinner, I. Uh, I I don't know if I could. It's 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 too it's too much for the palate. It's not that I it's not that I find it off-putting. I find it not for me. There's a, there's a real difference in 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 the two things. We have had drinks before that are just flat out off-putting. And we've had bourbons that people love and like this is not this is not drinkable. This is not off-putting. It's just not where where I'm at, but I get why people could do it. Now maybe you got to Maybe if you go up in the line, right, right, and starts getting into the real difference. I mean, I'm willing to explore that. Get into the real differences there. If you know the real differences, let us know. Uh, tweet, tweet uh, go eat, drink, smoke, uh, and and I'd love to know what you think. I've, I have a feeling that uh, experienced cognac drinkers will probably hit you up and say, "Well, you had the VS, Tony. You need to step it up a little bit." Or, or are they going to tell me that if if you want a, a good cognac, you don't do Cavassier? That could be right, right, and and part of it is is that like because people utilize like like they 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 see the name and they they relate it to something. 
uh, whether it's cultural, they'll they'll immediately gain an opinion. That's that's not helpful at all. You got to actually drink the thing right. in order to gain a, a, an opinion. Uh, but as as we drink, um, coronavirus has gripped uh, the globe, and I'm not going over numbers because they change all the time. Uh, I will say at this stage, the United States has crossed uh, the threshold of 2,000 people uh, who have died. Uh, but if if I could just first and foremost, because it's as important as ever, no one, please don't go through your day believing any number from China. <laughs> the amount of times I'm hearing the United States has more cases than China, the United States has more this than China. We have a hundred million pieces of evidence of the lies from China. There are people out of Wuhan who will tell you, what are you kidding? 43,000 people are dead. 42,000 people are dead. Dead. There, there's a story that uh, they have um, they have ordered urns. Yeah, I saw that. Right? You mean after cremation, urn. U-R-N, urns. And it's like, well, there's only one reason that they've done that. They have portable crematoriums that are, that are in Wuhan. We are so... Not only are we getting lied to, we are allowing us to lie to us. And that's a whole media story here. Do you think you think media has covered this story, has covered coronavirus well? I think that the media has sold its soul once again to much of it because of Trump derangement syndrome. You're, you're seeing media outlets parroting Chinese talking points. And it's it's obscene. It, just to to score one on Orange Man Bad, to even say something as absurd as the United States has surpassed Chinese uh, numbers is is ridiculous. Just from the evidence that has come out, that uh, independent people looking at the numbers saying, "Well, this is impossible." The Chinese are clearly lying, but there is this need for the media to push this narrative because they think that this will damage Donald Trump in some way. So let's, I mean, let's start there because I don't, one of the things I won't do is say that anybody is blameless, but I refuse to not put the certain levels of blame where they belong. So if you want to, like, like uh, Trump idolaters will tell you Trump is blameless. Well, it's not 100% true. He didn't cause coronavirus. He did shut down travel to China. And he was called every name under the sun. Not only was he called a xenophobe, he was told that it was going to agitate China and we were going to create an unnecessary war and trade war with China for doing so. That's what they said. And that was, as you talk about derangement syndrome, that's all that was. Oh, let's hate on Trump. If he says the sky is blue, it must be raining. And if it's raining, if he says it's raining, then, of course, it's sunny. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That's always their position, and it's, it's pretty ugly. So he was right to cut that off. But one of the things Trump did in the beginning was like, oh, no, it's, this is nothing. Oh, this is fine. Oh, we're going to get this. Oh, it's a little cold. He downplayed it. Now, what he was really doing was trying to keep people at some level of calm. He's just very bad at it. You have to accept the fact that the man's very bad at it. There are things that I think he's good at. There are things that politically, while I know he's not me politically, he's governed in the way I've liked with, with policies about regulations and things. So I'm cool. But I'm not going to not notice that he did this. He did this. Now, his saving grace is that he did stop the travel and the things started getting going. Now, when we talk about blame and the things getting going... Have you been keeping up with the failures of the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, and the CDC on masks, on testing, 
on on getting allowing labs to do the testing it's criminally insane what our government just did to us because people want to say oh the cdc are the experts oh the fda know what they're doing no they don't they're big bloated government bureaucracies and if people don't demand excellence from them they're never gonna provide it i think that once we get past this we need to have uh, an examination of not only who we're doing business with, but also how government does business. And the amount of red tape and hoops that labs had to jump through, the states have had to jump through uh, for, for testing is is something that really needs to be pointed out and ridiculed because the, the amount of red tape that has had to have been cut. Labs could not do testing until they got certain... Uh, regulation clearances from the FDA instead of the FDA just saying, yeah, go to work. And when they would write and complain, hey, we need these regulations, they were told by the FDA, we'll fill out this form. Right. Literally what they were told, we wasted the entire month of February. And when we finally did get test kits out, we relied on the test kit from the CDC and it was a bad test. The reagent, you know, which basically would tell you if you're not your coronavirus, failed. So all those tests had to come back, and they hadn't gone with anybody else. So there's only one place to get the test. They had to start from scratch. And that's why we're late in the testing. Not Trump. We failed from the FDA and the CDC. And it's okay to say we failed. People would have died anyway. I, I want to be clear. Testing's not a panacea. But you would, could have tested more people a lot quicker. Right. We failed. I don't want to scream at anybody. I want to fix it. Right. I don't understand why I, I just want to point fingers. I need this done because another one is coming. We're going we're gonna to get to that. Um, so the CDC and the FDA take a lot of blame. They, did a, they made a lot of errors. This stimulus package, which is now signed and law, $2.2 trillion. So if you are a single person who makes $75,000 a year or less, you're going to get 1200 bucks. If you're a couple that makes 150000 or less, you're going to get $2,400. And you're going to get $500 for each kid. It then goes down from there, whether you're single or a couple, $5 per $100 is where it goes down. Then you have loans. So pe- businesses can go to the SBA and apply for a loan. Or through this bill, which is called the CARES Act, C-A-R-E-S, because Congress loves to name things the opposite of how they truly feel. Uh, you go to your bank and you can basically get the money. The, the, the loan you get is forgivable if you use it for payroll. So basically, Congress passed a bill that tells you how you get to spend your tax dollars to their approval. That's pretty messed up. It's not that I didn't want to help you, but I do. I, I, I did want to actually give relief, but I wanted to give relief in a much more targeted, targeted way. It, it wasn't this. And Nancy Pelosi held that up for four days for pet projects and for ideological cause. She is to blame. And, and really, how could the Democratic Party even begin to allow that? And then you look at some of the things that were in this legislation, the $25 million to the Kennedy Center. Right. Uh, to, to prop that up. That's in Washington, D.C. They got what was going to be 35 million. Instead, they got 25 million. The first thing they did, they fired all the members of the National Symphony Orchestra. Ninety six people. It's an average payroll of four hundred thousand dollars a week. They got the 25 million and said goodbye and then told them that if this isn't resolved by sometime in May, you lose your health insurance. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, what what kind of thing is this to do? 
You got $25 million. If you had to wait two more months, you would have to pay $3.2 million to these people in payroll. All right, it's a big payroll. The executive director, who isn't taking any salary until this is resolved, uh, makes $1.2 million a year. The executive director of the Kennedy Center. Clearly, I'm in the wrong business. Right. Yeah. You, me, all of us in, in the wrong business. So Pelosi has some blame. The FDA and the CDC have some blame for, low, for, for, for slow rolling it, as opposed to engaging that wartime kind of footing and say, guys, we're going to beat this thing, and here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to do it, and we're going to take it day by day. You can throw some on Trump as well, although I don't think Trump led people to uh, the idea, oh, no, it's fine, go ahead, lick a doorknob, lick a toilet. You had to be a millennial or Generation Z to do that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, right there. And then most importantly, China. China is to blame. I don't know why this is somehow anathema to today's media. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly uh, the stimulus package is rolled out. I have a friend who texted me this wanting to know if I knew people who needed a job who were recently laid off. I want to read this to you. Um, This company is supporting the U.S. Small Business Administration Contact Center, assisting small businesses across the U.S. in registering for the U.S. government's COVID recovery small business loan program. We are immediately hiring candidates to take calls from home. All candidates must have reliable Internet service, yada, 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 microphone, headset, $18 per hour. They're paying people to answer f- calls from it home. It sounds like the people who want you to stuff envelopes in your home and then pay you. Is it legit? Yeah, it's legit. One hour of training, and then they wanted people to start as early as Sunday, March 28th. So there is a, a, some sense of urgency, which is quite refreshing, because as we were just talking about when it came to jumping through hoops and cutting red tape when it came to testing, when you think of government and bureaucrats, you don't think sense of urgency. So it looks like they're trying to roll this out a little bit uh, on the quick side, which is good. And Trump has uh, already uh, said that, you know, this is going through the states. The money ends up going through the states, and he's very much opposed to that. He thinks the states um, have have very antiquated uh, computer systems, and or maybe he knows about their computer systems, maybe he heard something, I don't know. And so he thinks there's going to be an issue. We're going to see. We're going to see whether or not it becomes an issue for people to actually get the dollars, whether it's the businesses or whether it's individuals. But how can you not understand that China's to blame? When NBC News puts out a tweet that says uh, Spain has now passed more cases uh, than China's reported numbers. Well, that's how they're trying to cover themselves. But you know China's reported numbers are a lie. They haven't really gone past that 80-some-odd thousand mark in two weeks. They're lying. And we know that they're lying. And Trump won't even admit to it when he when he when he talks about the propaganda that China's pushing. He's like, yeah, and we do it, too. I'm sorry. That's not an answer. That doesn't work for me. If you want to talk about we've done things in other countries, sure. We're talking about China wanting to put an end to the United States. That's what they want. They want domination. And to get domination, they will lie about a pandemic that has killed thousands upon thousands of people that they won't tell us about. They haven't changed how they do things with the wet markets. So the wet markets are, they, they have these open-air butchers. They're not butchers. They're just killing animals, slaughtering animals, all different kinds of animals. They don't even necessarily wash nothing. And that's how it's believed that coronavirus spread from animals to humans through one of these wet markets. They've been a problem for years, 
And China's been like, oh, yes, we'll address it. They don't address it. The wet markets are back open. Don't you get the fact that this communist regime, communism is an inferior culture, right? Chinese people are not inferior. Communism is an inferior culture. Do you think that what this boils down to is that woke Trump sick folk and you had the narrative when he had the travel ban with China that, oh, it's xenophobia, racist. I want to read you uh, an email I got from MoveOn.org. <laughs> Why? Why are you getting emails from MoveOn? Hey, hey, I like to check in, see what oh, you are. the MoveOn folks are doing. And uh, the, the subject line is, can you pick up groceries for a neighbor? Like, okay, that's, that's very nice. It was a sense of community, bringing people together. And then uh, resources to find help. The number one link that they have for resources to find help. Have you or someone you know experienced a hate crime in the coronavirus response, oh, which, is a, which has especially targeted Asian communities? This narrative is going around. The Asian communities are, are being victimized. Uh, the hate crimes have spiked. I haven't seen any real data on this, but... Do you think that a lot of what we're seeing as far as the media being scared to point the finger at China has to do with the wokeity wokeness of 2020 and this fear that this is spreading xenophobia and, and racism by calling a spade a spade? Um, so so uh, two things. Um, if, if I were to take a look at FBI crime statistics on what they call hate crimes. Even though I'm not a believer in hate crimes, right. they have got the statistics. When they told me about Islamophobia, 24-7, 365, year after year after year, Jews were more attacked than Muslims in America. So if you tell me that someone who is Chinese got attacked for being Chinese, or, or better yet, they got attacked for looking Asian because people aren't smart enough to know the difference and they just categorized some people together. The people who did the attacking should go to jail. I don't want anybody attacked. That's gross. That isn't the society that we are. Don't be ridiculous. That's, that's ugly and certainly not America. America went through September 11th and nobody burnt the mosques because it's not what we do. That someone may have gotten pushed that someone may have gotten punched is terrible but it isn't oh look at our society we've now become bigots the desire to want that that's what's criminally insane mm -hmm. the desire to want that is the same as jussie smollett paying some friends to beat him up and put a noose around his neck it's the same exact thing you want this you need this how else can you move forward your your uh, identity politics and and get your you know get your fix right build up all your clout and your, what I call reputation capital right uh, because you're so wokey woke 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 and virtue saying how can you do that if you don't have something to rail against if you see someone being attacked because they're Asian help them that's the rational course America is racist because of it stop it well if you want to help them nonsense. Tony I can send you the link to this email where they have the link where you can it's got resources available for you to be able to help resources yeah it's basically uh, a link that takes you over uh, to a place called standagainstthehatred.org which I'm sure uh, they'll be happy to take your email address and uh, I do stand against the hatred.org which is why I'm opposed to Nancy Pelosi 
who, by the way, is so hateful, actually said the other day uh, that uh, Trump is keeping equipment from getting to people who need it. And while Trump is fiddling, people are dying. What? How, why? Why should I ever have any respect for this woman? Her or did you see Chuck Todd talking to oh, Joe asking Biden? Joe Biden uh, do, do you feel that, that Donald Trump has blood on his hands, or, or is that going too far? This is the same man that a month ago, talking to Vice President Pence, criticized the Trump administration, saying that Democrats were politicizing the, uh, the coronavirus. And then not even a month later. I forgot about that. Not, well even, a, not even a month later. It's Does Trump have blood on his hands? That show died when Tim Russert died. Yeah. I, it's It's never come back. No. It's never come back because it was David Gregory first, yeah, who's now a, a third, also ran on CNN, and that's Chuck Todd. And Chuck Todd is not Chuck Todd is not serious. I've heard a million people tell me what a encyclopedic mind he has for politics. That's great, but he's not serious. He's not a decent dude. It's not decent when people want to take China's side, and part of this racism call is taking China's side, and it it may bother people. In, in in that they're not used to having to think this way, but it is it's it, you have to pick a side, you have to pick a side, and China is the enemy. The communists are the enemy. They always have been. They always will be. This is not a joke. We talk about concepts of sacrifice. I don't know if I talked about this last week. Did I talk about sacrifice last week and short term pain and long term? Yeah. Well, as, as far as uh, decoupling, right? So from decoupling China. from China, yeah. right? So so I have I have. Uh, really kind of continued and, and dug in on, on this thesis we don't even know what sacrifice is yet sacrifice is not staying in your house sacrifice is not not being able to go to the club sacrifice is not going to a movie theater that's that's not sacrifice sacrifice is when you realize you can no longer purchase the creature comforts because they come from a place that wants to kill you they want to hurt you now when i say they want to kill you they knew coronavirus was going around they said nothing and there are more and more pieces of reporting and i'm very curious i mean i'm more than willing to allow a doctor to tell me no it didn't happen this way that that scientists could track it down and say no it didn't go on this way but the reporting i'm looking at the reporting i'm seeing who knows how long coronavirus was in the u.s a week a month two months before it, it got it, it got it became a, a public subject there's a conversation of not about whether or not are you going to get coronavirus, but whether or not you already have it. Whether or not you've already got it like any other virus out there and you're just asymptomatic. It just didn't uh, affect you. And that's I am not trying to engage conspiracy theory. What I am doing is being very clear about what it is we did not know from the Chinese government and why they are so dangerous. And the answer is you have to financially choke them off. Things have to stop being produced in China. No, Apple, you can't make phones in China and sell them in the United States. No. Now, this is a, this is a killer from a free trade guy, right? right? And I am a free trade guy. But I want to do free trade with people who are also doing free trade. And that's not what China's doing. And China's ambitions are much greater than the idea of trying to beat us in trade. Do you, I mean, you know China 2025, right? Which is the desire to be a military uh, leader, uh, to be a technology leader. That's what this whole thing about 5G is about. And the trade theft and, and the, uh, and the um, intellectual property theft, the trade secret theft. It's about them trying to steal it so they can run 
the gamut. We talked. We did talk last week about how the UK is willing to let China build out their 5G network. And the answer is, sorry, we can't share uh, data with you. You can't be. Tra- we can't trade uh, uh, sensitive information. We never would have relied on the former Soviet Union to be so entwined in our supply chain. And now Putin has come out to say, it's clear that the United States can't provide world leadership like they used to. You Aren't you a treat, Vladimir? <laughs> Good on, you're going to provide world leadership? You're going to teach us all how to wrestle bears? What's your plan? And it's curious. I haven't seen many numbers coming out of Russia. Because oh, they won't report a number, the <laughs> lying snots. It's ridiculous. But it's something that we do need to take seriously. And I think that we, while we both, I believe, agree, I brought up the uh, belief last week that there's social distancing that we need to engage in, but not commerce distancing. Uh, I've got a, uh, a family member who has this. You do? Yes. Uh, not someone I've been around. So, you know, uh, anyone that's been around me. It's not me, like we're in the same location. <laughs> I'm just saying, anyone that's been around me, you don't have to worry. But I got a text from her uh, talking about last weekend. She said, Saturday and Sunday were the worst. Barely moved, achy, super stiff, almost tight in my chest and upper back. My neck was stiff to chills, sweats, cough once in a while, sneeze once in a while. Now, you know, a week later, I get tired at times and almost out of breath taking a shower or going upstairs. I get out of breath just doing that. Nothing to point where it's out of control, though. And she said, it it really messes with your mind. You think you're getting better, and then the next day, some of the same symptoms are back. Oh, interesting. First of all, uh, I'm I'm sorry to hear it, and I and certainly you hear about the shortness of breath and everything else, and how and how that that affects people. Uh, I, by the way, she's 35. 35. Yes, well, and a gym rat. That's that's young and healthy. Yeah, right. And so one of the things that we are seeing is that the people who are dying seem to be older and have underlying health issues. Others are getting it, and younger people are getting it. Uh, and then there's this whole chloroquine conversation. So France has done some studies. And what they have found is that hydroxychloroquine mixed with uh, azithromycin or z an antibiotic pack, is actually showing results in dealing with, with coronavirus, right? So they're, they're, they're getting results in limiting the scope of coronavirus. That doesn't mean that people are getting automatically cured. But they did a test uh, with like or a study with 36 patients, and then other people said, well, that's not enough. So they did another one with 80 patients. And of the 80 patients, 78 saw clinical improvement. One patient died. They were in their 80s and had underlying health issues. Another patient, 74, and still in intensive care. And now I've got the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, saying, no, you can't use uh, chloroquine. I've got the governor of Nevada, Sisolak, saying that you can't use chloroquine. Since when are the, why are these people so anti-science? Why are these people so anti-give it a shot? I don't know if it's going to work. Nobody knows if it's 100% going to work. But if you could lessen uh, the amount of deaths by 10% or 2%, isn't it worth it? And I've got two governors of, of Michigan and, and, and Nevada saying, nah. Now, is that Trump hate? Is that anti-science? What the hell is that? I think in the case of the governor of Michigan, I'll just say it. I think she's campaigning to be the vice Vice presidential nominee. And it makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of, okay, she she hits a lot of the, 
the list. You could check off, okay, woman uh, from a state that Democrats need to flip to win the White House. Uh, they they tried to put her on the national stage with her uh, We Fix Potholes State of the Union response. I think that it, you could point to that and say, okay, is she trying to pick a fight with the administration when she can to uh, up her profile and up her cred, street cred with Democrats who may not be all that crazy about Joe Biden. I don't want to think that way. I want to think people are more decent. But, man, I'm telling you, just over the past 15 years watching the behavior of some Democrats when it comes to the whole notion of never let a crisis go to waste, uh, it it makes me think in the back of my mind that there's something to that. It's one thing if she, who is desperate to be on the vice presidential shortlist, and she sees her opportunities, she understands how valuable Michigan is. Um, That's one thing, right? So to do that, you pick your fights with Trump. To say we won't use hydroxychloroquine, is you might as well be a flat earther. Honestly, that's, that's, that's deranged. And that's the question. How great is your hate that you're just not willing to say, okay, there's some science here. Let's see what happens. Let's see what we can do. Isn't that worthwhile? Isn't that something that you should try? When, when you're ill, if you're going to see 200,000 people die, Dr. Fauci, he said two things at once, by the way. He said that uh, you could have 200,000 deaths in the United States. Uh, and he said, but that's based on modeling of the worst of the worst, and we never that never really comes to be. So who knows, right? I, I only hope it's 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 far less. But what he didn't answer is in what time frame, right? Are we going to see two hundred thousand over the next three waves of coronavirus, or are we going to see two hundred thousand over this wave of coronavirus, and then two hundred thousand over the next wave of coronavirus? Because it will come in waves. And that question didn't get answered, and it doesn't seem like anybody even bothered to ask. How incurious can you be? That oh, two hundred thousand. Run with it, boys. Says two hundred thousand. Put it on the front page. Big blow type. Get stop the presses. Put this one on there, kids. I don't know. I'm assuming that's how Walter Winter went. (laughs) Well, it seems like in a lot of ways the the Washington press corps is more interested in ways to get the good doctor pitted against Donald Trump than actually getting news out of a briefing. I, I has anyone asked him yet if they are certain. Once you get the coronavirus, that you can't get it again. So what Fauci has said is, is that he thinks because you're asking a question about the antibodies and your question, yes. you know, building up a resistance and immunity, if you, if you will. He can't say it for sure, but he absolutely positively feels that you will get the antibodies based on what other viruses have done. But he can't say for sure that that's what's going to happen. A conversation will come. In America, where it's like, all right, everyone get coronavirus, like measles parties, except if you're talking about your friend right there, hard time breathing, winded when you go. I don't know if you necessarily want that for your kid, right? I don't know if that's a party that you want to give them, although not everybody is going to develop the symptoms like that. Yeah. You know, I, that's that's part of it. But. What I'm seeing from these people, the the levels of anti-science. Oh, he pushed uh, chloroquine as a as a you know a a guarantee. No, no, he didn't, and none of that is is helping. So if we want to go also to blame, right? The FDA and the CDC. You can throw some blame on, on Trump. Uh, you can throw some blame on Nancy Pelosi. You can throw almost all the blame on China. Our media, 
and weird. You know, I'm a radio host. You're a radio host. I, I, I guess we're media, but I don't think we're this. Right. To be so you you want people to be hurt. You want you want Trump to be hurt more than you want to share information of what the bloody heck is going on. Do you think that a lot of this has to do with the fact? I mean, you're seeing news organizations, news outlets who were complaining three months ago that there weren't enough briefings coming out of the White House to now they are threatening and ha- and in some cases they have cut off live coverage of these briefings. There have been NPR stations that refuse to cover them. They refuse. Is it not only because they want to hurt the president, but also they're worried that this is really helping him and that's why they're doing it? And and if that's the case, you have to go back to the days of Andrew Breitbart where he said that the, the mainstream media needs to be destroyed. Because if you are not carrying a presidential briefing about a pandemic because for no other reason because you think it benefits the president politically, then I can't take you seriously as a news organization. Right. No, no. You're, 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 you're absolutely right. Because Orange Man Bad. Is no, way, is no way to live a life. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through <laughs> life. Orange Man Bad is no way to go through life. Let's get to the smoke, which is from CLE. But first, Fanimation. Fanimation.com, your ceiling fan professionals, indoor or outdoor LED lighting, whisper quiet motors, and completely customizable. Trust me, you've been in the house all day for the past month, and it isn't going to end. And that ceiling fan is squeaking and looks terrible and is driving you crazy. Fanimation. Fanimation.com. Make the switch right now. Put in a new ceiling fan with the family. What could go wrong? Fanimation. They're, they really are incredible, and they've been great sponsors of this podcast, and they're with us, and they're sticking through, and you got to love people uh, like that. These ceiling fans are incredible, and they do incredible, incredible work. So you got to check them out for yourself, find out what they're all about, and realize that, you know what? Yeah, we could use a new ceiling fan. Move the air better, especially with the summer months coming. You want it to be more quiet, so when you're watching that movie, you don't hear that squeak, squeak, squeak going all over the place. Fanimation. Fanimation. Dot com. That's where you want to go. Fanimation.com. Find them on Facebook. Like the page and tell them you heard about it on the Eat Drinks Month podcast, which you have subscribed to, right? 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 Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Write a review and leave a five-star review over there uh, at Apple Podcasts. Now, uh, Fingers Malloy uh, picked up the cigars uh, today uh, and just, just ash wherever, man. You, you know, sure? the great outdoors is pretty wonderful. Although I can't say where in the great outdoors we are. Maybe we're indoors. Maybe I'm just... Because if, if people find out we're doing the podcast, all of a sudden, oh, you didn't social distance. Stop it. Stop it. You know, this is the rare podcast where he's not sitting on my lap. So everything's Yet. fine. The CLE Prieto. Now, uh, CLE um, is a box press. Uh, this cigar is, um, is this a 48 by 6, right? So it's 6 inches in length. Tee. And 48 uh, is the ring gauge, so how thick it is around. Tee. But it is a box press, so it's kind of hard to, to judge in that way. This is a honker of a cigar. It feels good. There, there's a little bit of, of weight to it. This is Nicaraguan throughout, and the wrapper is a Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro. So you're on the full side here. Is, is what you're going to get. There is a really good amount of smoke that comes off this. There's also, uh, I'm 
so I have the Cavassier. And it's pairing very well with the Cavassier. Right, because you got the you got the floral and this 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 easy note, uh sweet note there, almost a syrupy, and then you've got this stronger cigar coming in. It's not like you gotta go week to week, which was which was your point, because you did the pairing today. Mm-hmm. You you don't like the the, the week on week. No. You want to have those contrasts. Right. And from everything I read about pairing with cognac, because as you brought up at the start of the, the show, you're not a big cognac guy. This is the first time I've had cognac in 20 years. And even that, I was in my mid-20s, and a buddy just handed me some that was mixed with Pepsi. Yes. Don't ask. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, we are all forgiven our transgressions. <laughs> but from everything I read, uh, most people suggested that you would have to, you would want a medium to full cigar with a cognac and I this has really taken between the ice sphere uh, and this it really has taken some of that the the, the, the sweetness away from the cognac and I, I think it's it's really pairing up nicely. It it is it is lovely and, and by the way I referred to cognac as, as weak. That's not that's not what I meant. That's really the wrong way to say it. Um we're outdoors when we're doing this, right? For for safety and just for, for other reasons. Uh, and mostly because our normal cigar lounge and all the cigar lounges are closed, which is a, a, a criminal, criminal act as I see it, uh, meaning I'm sad about it. Um, it's very much a fall day. And I got to admit, the cigar and the cognac pair well. There's something about it that actually feels like fall. Like if there was a campfire going, this would be this would be a really lovely combination. My kids were asking me about what I choose to smoke, right? They, when, they were, when they were babies, I didn't smoke around them. I wouldn't do it. But now I, I, I do. Uh, and I could be on the back deck or wherever and, and, and having a cigar. Um, and they asked me, what, do, they, do they taste different? And, and, and how do you choose what to smoke? And I said, well, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on the time you have. It depends on the weather. Like, it depends on the weather. I'm like, yeah, if it's hot out, I sometimes go with something a little more spicy. If it's colder out, maybe I want something a little more hearty with a little more strength to it, a little more of those earth notes. And like, what do you mean earth? Like, I said, I like a cigar in Nicaraguans that have more of that earth, that dirt kind of taste. So like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, don't worry about it. You, you're, you're not going to have a cigar for a good long time. You're, you're, you're quite all right. Uh, this feels like a fall day. I, I, I don't know if, if it wasn't on the sphere, if it would have really been any different. But it's a nice, nice mix of things. This is definitely a, a, a full smoke. And I also have, next to it, I have coffee. So I'm actually kind of double dipping here. And so I have become just enamored with the, if it grows together, it goes together. And coffee in a cigar is my new go-to, more than bourbon, more than rye, more, more than cognac, more than anything in, in, in the world. And when I'm smoking a cigar, I like to listen to my new favorite podcast, Here's the Deal, by Joe Biden. <laughs> he has the worst team in the history of America. So Joe Biden has started a podcast. It's called Here's the Deal. He's going to be chatting to national top experts to provide a voice of clarity during uncertain times. Um, to, to the Biden team. Hold on a second. I got <laughs> Hold on. Uh, you you got to play some like like sweet music under this in post. Okay. If you have to chat with people to provide a voice of clarity during uncertain times, then your guy is not the voice of certainty or clarity during uncertain times. He wants to be president of the United States. You turned him into a talk show host. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't you remember the FDR fireside chats where he brought in 30 people to talk to to 
to calm the American people in uncertain times. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. This is the dumbest, worst idea. And the best is his first guest. His first guest is Ron Klain. Now, if you don't know the name Ron Klain, Ron Klain was Biden's chief of staff when he was vice president. Ron Klain was also the Ebola czar when Ebola was, was spreading around the globe. And he was the guy put in charge of dealing with not a doctor by any stretch. He's, he's a lawyer. He's a, he's, a, he's a politico. Now, some people say he did a fine job as Ebola czar. Some people say he did a mad job as Ebola czar. There was nothing really to do. But if this is a guy who has dealt with situations that we're in right now uh, and uh, maybe could help. And what has he done? He's done videos attacking Trump, and now he's doing this Fakakta nonsense podcast. What talk? Good job caring about America. You're the you're going to be the Democratic nominee for President of the United States, and you're going to release a podcast where you're going to say stuff like my first guest today, right? This this podcast is sponsored by Five Hour Energy because you're going to need Five Hour Energy to get through this podcast of me talking to the Ebola czar. Now you know that it's not getting talked about, but Democrats are in full on uproar because they're watching coronavirus take their candidates completely off the stage, and who's taken over? Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. And Andrew Cuomo uh, had gave a speech to, to the National Guard that was actually very well received, where he said to them, this isn't three hours and you're done. This isn't three days and you're done. This is going to be a long day. This is going to be weeks on weeks on weeks on weeks. Get ready. Like, it was actually pretty good. Now, I'm not a fan of Cuomo. Anybody who doesn't understand that the power of fracking in western New York and the opportunities of un- almost unlimited financial opportunities that could come from fracking in western New York uh, is, is missing the boat. And, and he ca- if he wasn't such a brutal ideologue, he could be president of the United States. But certainly he has shown himself over this, especially because he's getting primetime press coverage because New York is the epicenter. And Cuomo is a more likable cat than Bill de Blasio because Bill, Bill de Blasio is a yutz. Right. He's getting a lot of coverage. And now Democrats are saying contested convention, contested convention. If you cancel the rest of the primaries and you take it to Milwaukee when things should be opened up. Sorry, the rules are the rules. You need nineteen hundred and ninety one delegates to win the nomination, not the guy who's ahead. That's not the way it works, because there was a time where Bernie Sanders was ahead and they said, well, no, no, no. You have to have the proper amount of delegates because they thought Bernie was going to run away with it. And then when it switched to to Biden, now all of a sudden they want to stop it all. You had people like Representative Clyburn saying, no, put an end to it. Uh, No, no, no. This is it. This is over. No more debates. No more primaries. We're done. This is the guy. Well, that's not the way it works. You are going to have contested convention. It's becoming more and more likely every day. And it's very possible these people might pick Cuomo. And I will tell you, Trump will have a hell of a race on his hands if you pick Andrew Cuomo. That's fact. Now, anything can happen. Anything can come up. Right? I am saying that the race becomes much tougher for Donald Trump if he's running against Andrew Cuomo than if he's running against Joe Biden. That, go ahead. Come at me, bro. Let's think this through. <laughs> okay. Now, granted, here we are 
it's March. So a lot of things can happen between now and the convention. But say... It's the end of March, yeah. Yeah. Say we play out your scenario, and Cuomo gives one hell of a convention speech, if they have a convention, and unites the party. I guess that's possible, because you know a, a great convention speech can heal a lot of wounds. But you're telling me... You already have a significant part of the Democratic Party base that are diehard Bernie Sanders supporters. And they're saying, a lot of us aren't going to go vote for for Joe Biden. We may even vote for Trump. Right. So it was 15% said they would vote for Trump. Right. Now, what they don't say is that the other 85% isn't going to vote for Biden. They're staying home. Staying home. 100%. How many of those people are... Not going to if you make the the leap that they're going to rip the the nomination away from Joe Biden and rather than hand it to Bernie Sanders, they're going to hand it off to someone else who didn't even participate in yes. the primary system. Yes. What are Bernie supporters going to do at that? But you think they're mad now? How infuriated are they going to be if? They say, oh, you know what? We aren't going to give it to Joe Biden. They're like, hooray! Oh, we're going to give it to someone else other than Bernie. They, they, more of them may vote for Trump, and a, a higher percentage may stay. So let's, let's uh, break it down, and you will say to yourself uh, that, uh, first, I have, I have long said this, uh, that the Bernie supporter will not vote for Joe Biden. The progressives will not vote for a moderate. They absolutely, positively won't do it. If you were to add Andrew Cuomo into the mix, what you give some people is an out. You really appreciate his leadership. And you'll work on him on policy. And therefore, they have an out. That's number one. Number two, I still say that the majority of Bernie supporters are diehards. These are true believers. And they simply won't vote for anybody else. And they will burn it all down. I mean, literally set it on fire. Expect Milwaukee to be ugly. I hope it's not. I hope to be wrong. What you can also get from Andrew Cuomo is pulling some people who are reluctantly voting for Trump because there are people who don't like Donald Trump but say, I can't vote for Biden. That guy's that guy is not okay. He is not okay. He just isn't. I can't vote for him. I can't vote for Bernie. That guy is nuts. You know what? I have a job. My kids have a job. The 401k. Well, that's all a little bit different right now. Now, the jobs will come back and the market will come back. I mean, it's it's the levels of fluctuation are just maddening. And really, I don't even know if the market's kind of figured out how it feels about this whole stimulus package, uh, to be honest. Um, but Cuomo does give them some things there where a a reluctant Trump voter can see his way clear to voting for somebody else, because after all. He's uh, he's pragmatic. You know what I mean? And uh, look, look what he did for, for New York. And he, and he really he sounds like he knows what he's doing. That's absolutely true. Now, you were telling me that some people are questioning whether or not Biden even makes it. So this is from the Washington. And I'm talking about to November. Yeah, this is uh, from the Washington Examiner. Tucker Carlson of Fox News. Biden insiders say he won't make it to Election Day. What does that mean? Fox News host Tucker Carlson said insiders in the Joe Biden presidential campaign believe he will not he will not be mentally fit to be president come election day. 
While appearing on the Charlie LaDuff podcast, Carlson claimed that Biden insiders told him they don't believe the former vice president has the mental fortitude to last until the 2020 election in November, speculating that the Democratic Party may revoke his potential nomination. I you mean they know he's slipping? You mean yeah. they know he's falling apart? It's a quote from Carlson. I sincerely and totally believe that Joe Biden will not be the Democratic nominee on Election Day. How does the math work? It's not about the math. It's about will, Carlson said, saying that the Democratic Party is intent on taking power. Two, com- right. two competing uh, imperatives. We've got to win, but we've got a guy who can't win. Therefore, they're going to replace them. Well, and, okay. And then Carlson went on to estimate, just like you're saying, it's going to be uh, So, So now you got to ask a question, Tucker. And I would ask him the question, how did you get to this place? Meaning they knew it all along. So why didn't they go with the young gun people to judge? Why didn't they go with the female Bernie Elizabeth Warren? Why didn't they go with Klobuchar, who, by the way, all the thoughts in the world, her husband has coronavirus. And some of the stories we're hearing, awful. I, I, by the way, anybody who has or is dealing with somebody with coronavirus, the stories you're hearing of people in nursing homes and loved ones can't be near each other. And it's just that's real. <laughs> that's not political. Right. That's just real and, and awful. But they knew this. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say let them crash. So what did, how did we get to this point? That's the question I would ask Tucker. Did, did they say to themselves, we, this is the way this falls, and now we just got to make the changes we make the change? You just ride the conditions until you get to the thing that you can do, and the thing you can do is at the convention – and in order to get Biden out, one of two things has to happen, right? Now, now, remember, I did not hear this. You're telling me this for the first time. So now I, thinking like a political person and thinking like, like, like Biden, one of two things has to happen with Biden. Biden has to have an issue so great and made so great by media that he is forced out. Or number two, Biden has to have a real episode of whatever it may be. Now. If you think I'm going to be somebody who wishes an episode on another human being, I don't work that way. So how in the world does the media square this circle? What, in order to get all of those Russians off the submarine, Ramius had to make them think that there was a nuclear leak. When Hunt for Red October is your primer, right? <laughs> how in the world do you get them off the submarine? Well, and the other thing too, Tony, and I hate doing this because it's a lazy take, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, because this, I'm always thinking about media bias. Can you imagine if we were talking about Republicans and they were doing, can you imagine the, the daily narrative about Republicans in disarray, Re- Republican Party uh, doesn't know who they're going to nominate, they're, the, the, the stories that would be coming out day after day is they want to take the nomination away from the front runner because they don't believe he's competent. Day after day, it would be hammered. Republicans, what will Republicans do? They're in disarray and nothing. Not not a, not a word about this. May, well, coronavirus takes away all the words. Cor- you know, I mean, sure. I, I do, I do six fair. hours of radio a day. Um, I am now talking to my producers about I need I need help in not talking about coronavirus. It can't be that everybody wants to hear this every single day. They want data. They want basics. They want maybe a take on some of the things that are, are new. 
this there's no way America can do this for in in terms of just hearing this constantly. America can survive this, but America can't. I don't think they can be entertained by this. Well, you know how Americans can survive this? It's by celebrities coming together and singing Imagine a cappella into a phone. It was so bad. First, Imagine is a terrible song. It's terrible writing. It's terrible music. It's awful. Imagine is a, what? It's not a miserable song? Oh, it's terrible. It's a terrible, awful, terrible song. And there's Gal Gadot and all these other celebrities. They cut it all together from their cell phone video. Do they not know they're pathetic? Now, last night, it was actually last night when we're doing this, they had the whole Fox concert with Elton John. That's fun. And, and like, uh, John Krasinski was doing a little, like, talk show, news show, some good news, he called it. And he he did the interview with Steve Carell. And you're seeing Andrew Lloyd Webber is playing uh, hits from his career. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is doing hits. He's the guy who created Hamilton. He's doing, playing a song. Like, that's all fun and good. That's enjoyable. When Garth does a concert or, or, or what's his name? The, the nationwide guy. Oh, I'm sorry, Brad Paisley. Does, does, does a concert or whatever from his house. That's fun stuff. When celebrities are singing Imagine, they just, uh, I, I disagree with you completely. I watched that video and I felt safer. And I thought to myself, <laughs> everything is going to be okay. I actually came up with my version of Imagine I was going to sing into that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It went something like this. Uh, Imagine nothing to wipe your ass with. Wait, stop. What? <laughs> no single or two-ply. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a work in progress, Tony. But I'm a singer-songwriter. <laughs> How do you get Joe Biden? So, so the reason that... <laughs> Sorry. That's a I nice pivot. I had to bring it back. I understand why they're not talking about Joe Biden right now. And that absolutely works to their favor... Because then they could sneak this under the radar. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what they can do. But how I'm questioning how they are going to rationalize it. Now, they can just decide it and no one ever talks about it and then it's done. No one ever discusses, well, what the hell just happened? Well, what was really wrong with him? Well, how long did you know it was wrong with him? What did you know and when did you know it? Nancy Pelosi actually said that about Donald Trump talking about coronavirus. That's an after action thing to do. What did he know and when did he know it? Democrats are already planning impeachment 2.0. They're already planning it on this subject. But on Biden, you didn't know that he was not okay? You didn't know he couldn't put together a sentence? You didn't know? You didn't see it? You Really? You uh, you didn't think it was uh, going to happen? You didn't think it was going to be fun? <laughs> didn't think there'd be some kind of question about his uh, mental acuity? That's, not, that's as good as Stewie as I could do. <laughs> that's as good as I go. And well, and we aren't. And again, you're right. The national conversation is dominated by coronavirus. But you had these allegations of sexual impropriety this week. You're right about Joe Biden and nothing, nothing. Hashtag me too. Uh, me too, unless coronavirus. So uh, listen, maybe it took them to record their first podcast with Joe Biden before they realized he just wasn't cut out for the job, Tony. Oh, really? Is that what it took? <laughs> it, took it took the podcast. That was the one that, that made them wipe the sleep from their eyes and be like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> this guy can't be president. <sighs> Just, I don't, I don't know how they're going to swing that one. But I don't, I, I wouldn't disagree. The question is, how are you going to swing it? And I'm not quite, I, 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 
Don't know how they're going to do that. But would they be better off as a party with Andrew Cuomo? Yes. The, the, he, he has on certain levels uh, you know, the abortion conversation and the fracking conversation. He'll make a lot of progressives happy, and he can pull some, some Trump voters. And, and it's something you got to watch for. It is absolutely something I you just have will, to watch. It'll be fun to watch the Democratic base. And you may very well be right. They may rally around him, and he gives them an out. But if you were a passionate Bernie Sanders supporter or even a Liz Warren supporter, you know, people who had a, a following in the primary, and maybe Liz Warren's a bad example because she couldn't even win her home state, but, uh, you know, Pete Buttigieg, are you going to be upset that they aren't picking someone who went through the primary process and, and dropped out because people strong-armed them to drop out because they felt that they needed to rally around one candidate. Well, as for Pete Buttigieg and as for Beto O'Rourke and as for Amy Klobuchar, these are all people with very terrible judgment. I'm glad that they're not going to be president because they all endorsed Joe Biden. They endorsed the guy they knew wasn't okay if this, if the, if this plays out. Or in general, they endorsed the guy they know isn't okay. And that 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 shows too poor of a judgment. I'm sorry. You, you're, you're not allowed to be in any kind of leadership position whatsoever, right? Well, and why why would people in Biden's circle let him go through with this? And I and I know so many people. So many times you're surrounded by yes men and yes women, but this is nothing new. We knew a year ago that he wasn't all there. I you would think that the misses would have sat him down. And said, Listen, I love you, but. The time has passed. It kept him busy. Kept him out of the house. And I will, admit, <laughs> I will admit, it, you, you, you know all these things about Joe Biden are true. But in that last debate, he was so much better than Bernie Sanders, it was frightening. And without having all those people, he, could act, he actually did talk. The gaffes were, were small ones compared to his normal stuff. And you almost could have believed, oh, Okay, he's found his stride. You could have believed it. He was that much be- he was that much better than Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders without an audience can't use the booming voice to his advantage to push his mantra as opposed to actually explaining it. And it, it he he really did do poorly. He really and truly struggled. Well, don't you think that he could point to his last debate performance and the fact that at least for the foreseeable future, he's not going to be traveling all over the country. He's going to be well-rested. If all he's doing is podcasting and an occasional media hit here and there... He's already just miserable on the media hits. He's already just absolutely awful on the media hits. Well, and a lot of that, too, has to do with... The, the satellite stuff, right? You you you've done many a hit via satellite, sure. and it's it's a whole different animal than being face to face with someone. Four hundred percent. The delay is is really does mess with you and messes with the timing and reactions and and things like that, and that does affect everybody. But he thought he was doing a a, a phone call interview and he was doing TV. Oh, and he he just can't. He doesn't have any natural rhythm to say, hold on, let me just finish this and then continue to get the other person to stop. He has no natural rhythm for that because, well, there could be a, a whole bunch of reasons. And how, and how does that happen? You've, you have been a politician for most of your adult life. You've been a United States senator. You've been the vice president of the United States. How can you not handle an interview properly? You, you know, We've been in this a long time, and you know – when you are talking to someone who is seasoned 
in media to where you can ask them a question. They know they got 45 seconds, 30 seconds to get a point in and then end it. You would think someone that has been in the game this long would be better at it than he is. Well, then maybe that we're seeing what this issue is. But we've all seen it. I'm never going to I'm not going to diagnose the guy. We're going by the anecdotal. We've seen it. So we know that there is an issue, and maybe that's in and of itself uh, the answer. His name is Fingers Malloy, and find him at Fingers Malloy, M-A-L-L-O-Y, Fingers Malloy, uh, dot com, uh, Fingers Malloy Radio on Facebook. Find me, Tony Katz Radio, Facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio, Twitter and Instagram, Tony Katz, and Tony com. My thanks to Fanimation, Fanimation.com. I'm into the second third of this uh, CLE. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, I-, I wish I could pick up some more of those chocolatey, kind of notes i haven't gotten there uh yet there's a, there's a lovely tobacco uh that that that's going on pepper and, and for and for strength I, I not not overly strong not overly strong it does pair nicely with with the cavassier um but uh, and by the way at a price point ten dollars a stick yeah so um you could definitely have a couple of these in your humidor share these with friends you'd be quite all right and where i'm sitting right now it's very windy uh i've i haven't had any struggles with this at all no. it's a pleasant been, draw i mean it, it's, the ash is staying there's been no relights whatsoever which is a huge huge plus yeah. uh for for sure uh, and don't forget to subscribe uh eat drink smoke apple podcasts write a review leave a five star review tell your friends share it uh with them and be sure to go to tonycats.com and check out the series virtual bourbon a uh, new video series we put together, my interview with John Rich. That's great. Uh, Big and Rich, talking about his uh, whiskey, Redneck Riviera, and uh, and his uh, 86-year-old grandma who smokes Marlboro Reds. It's it's fantastic. Have you, have you been a, were you ever a smoker in your life? No, no only cigars. Never cigarettes. Holy cow. I, the idea that she smokes Marlboro Reds. I, I got a cousin that smokes them, and I used to smoke, and every once in a while, if I'm around him, he'll hand me one. You catch a buzz off of a Marlboro Red. If you right? have to, oh, my gosh. So to see, hear about an 86-year-old woman saying, God, give me another Marlboro Red, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, there's also a Suzanne Plachette impression. You'll have, to, you'll have to Google who that is. You'll have to go to the Bing Box and figure that out. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.